Hello, and welcome to Washington, D.C., where I am at the 2016 American College of Surgeons Leadership and Advocacy Summit. This is Erin Garvey, Chair of the Resident and Associate Society Communications Committee and PGY-5 General Surgery Resident at the Mayo Clinic in Arizona. The Leadership and Advocacy Summit is an annual meeting in Washington, D.C., put on by the American College of Surgeons. 2016 marks the fifth annual meeting, and the focus of this year's leadership portion is improving communication, strategic thinking, emotional intelligence, and best practices for social media networking, while the advocacy portion aims to educate, challenge, and prepare for shaping the future of surgical practice alongside ACS leaders and key elected officials. Over 500 surgeons registered for this year's summit, and nearly 70 of those are resident and fellow attendees. This is my first year attending, and the purpose of this podcast is to share the experience with all resident and associate society members who were not able to attend. To begin, I caught up with Dr. Amalia Cochran to hear her thoughts on why trainees should attend the summit. Hi, my name is Amalia Cochran. I am a burn and critical care surgeon at the University of Utah, where I'm also our Vice Chair of Education and Professionalism. I have the honor this year of serving as the President of the Association of Women Surgeons. I'm also currently the Vice Chair of the American College of Surgeons Surgeons PAC and a member of the American College of Surgeons Health Policy and Advocacy Group. Erin asked me to talk to you all today for just a quick minute about why it's important to be involved with policy and advocacy and why it's important to come to the Leadership and Advocacy Summit. Over the last three years, the Leadership and Advocacy Summit has grown tremendously in size, but it's still a relatively small meeting, particularly when compared to the Clinical Congress. If you're someone who's in training, this meeting represents a really unique opportunity to get access to the leaders of the college and get to spend some one-on-one time with them. I know that two years ago, one of my residents who applied for and received one of the scholarships came up to me later in one of the days and said, I just got to have breakfast with Dr. Pellegrini. He was nearly beside himself. So this is a great chance to get to meet people. It's also a great chance to get to see what the college is really doing for you, both in terms of helping you develop your leadership skills. We just finished up the leadership program yesterday and it was exciting and had lots of good skills, regardless of where you are in your career, if you're just starting out or even if you've been at this for a while. Today we move into the advocacy portion of the meeting where we'll learn a lot about a lot of different policy things that are going on and the really fun part is that if you come you get briefed and prepped on how to go talk to your legislators. That's something that'll happen tomorrow and it's a great opportunity to develop relationships with people who are actually working in politics all the time and to learn how that process really works. I hope that we'll see you here in DC in 2017. The Leadership Day put on by Dr. David Richardson, President of the American College of Surgeons, Dr. David Hoyt, Executive Director of the American College of Surgeons, and Dr. Patricia Turner, Director, American College of Surgeons Division of Member Services, took place on Sunday, April 10th. The morning began with a lecture on leading a team through conflict by Dr. David Rogers from the University of Alabama School of Medicine. Dr. Rogers discussed the importance of identifying the true conflict at hand 
and recognizing the difference between task conflict and relationship conflict. He also stressed the need to recognize the other party's interest and point of view and addressed a number of techniques for approaching conflict, including forcing, smoothing, avoidance, compromise, and problem solving. He suggested doing a lot of the legwork before the meeting, for example, by identifying an adversary and trying to convince them of your point before, outside the confines of a structured meeting time. Later in the morning, Kurt O'Brien from the University of Washington School of Medicine provided a framework of skills for handling difficult conversations, an ACBED method. When dealing with conflict, you need to ask what it is that you want for yourself, the other party involved, and for the relationship, and to keep those goals in mind while approaching conflict. For the ACBED approach, the A stands for the activating event, during which you should review only the facts of the event. C is for the consequences or your reactions and feelings to the event. B is for the beliefs that you feel to be true about the event or the story you tell yourself about what transpired. E is for checking your energy level at that time. What would happen if you confronted the person about the event right now? Finally, D is for disputing the original story you told yourself. What other explanations exist for the event? Attribute positive intent and humanize the other party. Recall what you appreciate about the other person and what the mutual purpose of the relationship is. Dr. O'Brien reminded us, we judge ourselves by our best intentions, but judge others by their actions. During the morning session, we also had the pleasure of hearing from Dr. Adel Hader, director of the Center for Surgery and Public Health at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School, regarding healthcare disparities. Dr. Hader encouraged everyone to take an implicit association test to take the pulse of our own cultural dexterity. Google Project Implicit to give it a try. At lunchtime, there were state and regional breakout sessions to meet, network, and share successes from local chapter meetings. One of the tips from the Georgia chapter was to allow vendors to briefly introduce themselves and their product to attendees during a lunch or cocktail hour at the local ACS chapter meeting. The afternoon began with a session on breaking boundaries and strategic thinking with Dr. Joshua Clayman from the University of Chicago Booth School of Business and Partner Humanly Possible Incorporated. We were taught the importance of asking, what else can we do with what we have, and having a flexible approach in reframing the problem. This was demonstrated with a number of brain teasers, my favorite of which was the instruction to make the Roman numeral 9, I-X, even. Most participants turned the I into an L for the Roman numeral L-X, which is the even number 60. However, there were a number of solutions, like placing an S in front of the I-X to spell out the even number 6, or placing a 2 after the X to have the mathematical equation 1 times 2, which equals the even number 2. 
Others truly thought outside of the box, or rather inside the box, by turning the I into the side of a square around the X to be the even number 10 with a square around it. Dr. Susan Moffat Bruce from The Ohio State University then turned our focus on leadership and stated, your life story defines your leadership. She expressed the importance of just being present, especially for trainees and surgeons at the beginning of their careers. By being present, the leadership opportunities will find you. She also left us with a powerful quote that it is no longer enough just to take good care of your own patients, but we as a profession need to take good care of all patients. We then had a helpful discussion on social media for the surgeon by Dr. Deanna Atai from the David Geffen School of Medicine at the University of California, Los Angeles. 80% of adults in this country are online and 72% use the internet for health-related information. And MDs can play a helpful role in assuring the validity and accuracy of the health content. With respect to social media, Dr. Atai affirmed social media can be whatever you want it to be, but often the separation of the personal versus professional profile is not 100% black and white. She approaches this by posting medically related content on her Facebook page during the week while focusing on more personal posts like gardening or sporting events during the weekend. She also importantly reminded us, don't lie, don't pry, don't cheat, can't delete. Lastly, the leadership portion of the summit was concluded with a discussion on emotional intelligence by Dr. Roy Fidiakon from Massachusetts General Hospital. Dr. Fidiakon defined emotional intelligence as well-being, sociability, emotionality, and self-control, and encouraged everyone to explore their own emotional intelligence and understand it in the context of their leadership style and ability to work well on a team. I also appreciated the end of his talk, which featured a number of selfies of him and his wife from their tradition of Selfie Sunday. This individual touch was a nice way to end the Leadership Day to remind everyone of the importance of not just our professional relationships, but our personal relationships as well. After that very exciting and informative day, I couldn't wait to hear what some of the resident and fellow attendees thought. My name is Lindsay Kilgore and I'm from the University of Kansas General Surgery Program. I have to say the, the main thing I love about this conference is that it's a way for us to discuss topics that aren't as much scientific but more uh, issues and teaching us to become better leaders, things that we don't normally get to discuss. It's also a great way for us to network with other uh, residents as well as physicians and get our names out there and also see what other issues are happening in other programs across the United States. My name is Jessica Gonzalez. I'm a chief resident at Baylor University Medical Center in Dallas. Um, what I like about this uh, conference is that you get to know the efforts that the ACS is um, doing in order to help the residents and also the community as, as well as the patients um, in the future and also um, join the goals of your state um, to improve the healthcare and um, the 
patient experience in our hospitals, uh, as well as um, networking with other residents and attendings uh, from other programs uh, that otherwise I wouldn't get to know. Uh, Jason Wagner, Integrated Vascular Surgery, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Major things that were impactful from the leadership meeting. Um, first and foremost, the social media component was hugely insightful. You know, growing up, you know, in the era of Facebook and having been a member of Facebook, a participant in Facebook since the second month it existed. You know, residents find themselves in slightly different perspective, dealing with how to you know either sterilize their account or kind of find this perfect balance between personal and professional to have as a web presence. And one thing that never even crossed my mind was the idea of using Twitter in an advocacy, both you know, in a political advocacy component uh, for my profession, but also from an academic advocacy and patient advocacy side for educating patients or other followers I might have on Twitter. And that's something that, you know, had we not heard the talk yesterday, never would have even crossed my mind. Um, secondly, the component on conflict resolution and, you know, workplace uh, leadership in times of conflict or crisis, uh, great presentations, things that I think are kind of impactful and insightful across all fields of surgery, um, really anybody that you know, takes somebody to the OR. The advocacy portion of the meeting officially began with a dinner reception on Sunday evening. The keynote address was given by Chris Matthews, host of Hardball with Chris Matthews on MSNBC, who provided us with his very entertaining perspective on and predictions for the upcoming presidential election. At the dinner, we spoke with a few people regarding the importance of resident and fellow participation in advocacy. I'm John Armstrong, a former Secretary of Health for the state of Florida and a trauma surgeon at the University of South Florida in Tampa. Residents are in training to gain the skills necessary to provide optimal surgical care for their patients, it's essential that part of the skill set is advocacy because it's decision makers in the State House and in Congress who shape the practice environment. So if we're truly committed to optimal surgical care, we need to remember that we have to be advocates on behalf of surgical patients at the earliest opportunity. And I believe that means residents need to be advocates. I'm John Sutton from the American College of Surgeons Manager of State Affairs there. It's really important for residents and associates to get engaged in their communities and their legislatures to be advocates at the state level. It's at the state level where activity takes place. Congress is a sexy, oh isn't this exciting to go to Congress, but uh, everything that happens uh, related to health policy that affects your practice and your patients takes place at the state level. So by all means, get engaged, find out the organizations that handle advocacy in your state, uh, join your ACS chapter, and uh, become an involved and uh, educated advocate. My favorite analogy came from Dr. Charles Mabry of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Political advocacy is their future. Residents need to understand that they can either be at the table discussing their future or they can be on the menu. You're either at the table or you're on the menu. So what does that mean to be at the table? It means that you've got to compromise, you've got to be realistic, but, but you have a strength that the politicians don't have and that's information. You have the knowledge of medicine and you have the knowledge of surgery and that's a very powerful thing. That's what they don't have. They need to have that because they want to make the right decisions. 
So residents, young surgeons need to be involved early on because they can connect with not just the politicians who are usually older, but they connect with the staffers who are their age. And those staffers will grow up to be politicians one of these days, and they're going to be elected officials. So if you establish relationships when you're young, then those relationships will last all your life. And that's why for the College of Surgeons, we have been so strong about supporting residents getting involved at their age because they establish relationships that will pay just like a crop that you plant. Years later, they'll bear fruit. On Monday, April 11th, we began preparing for our congressional visits by learning more about what it means to be a legislator. When Congress is in session, the average work week is 70 hours per week, and a House of Representative member can have an average of 13 meetings per day. Therefore, it is very important to stand out. A congressional survey determined that in-person visits with constituents is the most influential way to interact with members of Congress. And while at home, Congress spends approximately 30% of their time with their constituents. Ways to get involved back at the local chapter or state level include participating in a telephone town hall meeting or attending a town hall meeting in person. Arriving early to meet the district or state communications director or the chief of staff can prove to be very valuable. It is also helpful if you hand them a piece of paper with your talking points clearly delineated. Town hall meeting schedules can be obtained by calling your congressional office. You can also friend your legislator on Facebook or follow them on Twitter, and it is ideal to comment on an activity or a vote within the first six hours. Beyond the first 24 hours, the communications team is much less likely to see your comment. For our in-person meetings in D.C., we were encouraged to clearly define the problem with one to two specific points, make it personal by sharing a patient-related story, and to have a specific ask. With up to 13 meetings per day, the legislators' offices are exposed to a wide variety of topics in one day. As physicians, we are the experts on the healthcare-related topics, but we need to speak to the legislators like we would our patients. Even if we do not have all the political wherewithal, we do know healthcare and the issues that are at the forefront of importance at present. And first and foremost, we need to be patient advocates and approach legislators with the patient's best interests at heart. Let's see what a few more residents have to say about their experience thus far. My name is Danielle Henry, and I'm a fourth-year general surgery resident at Orlando Health in Orlando, Florida. And I'm excited to be here at the Leadership and Advocacy Summit. It's really given me opportunity to see um, what's going on in our association regards to advocacy, something that I hadn't been exposed to before. Um, and I've gotten an opportunity to meet a lot of leaders within our field, so it's been a great experience, and I'm really excited to be here. I'm Patrick Davis. I'm a chief resident from Wake Forest University uh, in general surgery. Um, you know, I uh, saw this opportunity to come uh, to both the leadership and the advocacy summit as a chance to really prepare myself uh, as a future uh, practicing surgeon. Um, I feel like there's a side of medicine that some people are um, 
uh, uninformed about, and unfortunately, it's a very, or fortunately, it's a very important uh, part of establishing a practice, and that is the the political aspects behind payer systems, as well as what goes on in Washington, and who are the advocates for the practicing surgeons, and so having the ability to come up here and learn the inner workings of that and see our representatives and see who has our voice um, I thought would be a, a, a good stepping stone to getting me involved um, as I move forward. And so far the weekend's been very much that and it's been a, a, a fun, informative time to be up here and I've learned a lot. My name is Juan Carlos. I'm a PGY4 at University of Oklahoma. Um, I think this uh, conference is really just helping me mainly just to, uh, not only as a somebody who just became an American citizen recently, but uh, I think within our medical training, you know, we really lack uh, the educational component of not only how medical and the politics work, um, but also how the changes in new uh, physician reimbursement and how payment uh, methods for uh, physicians that are, you know, ever-changing um, and mainly dictated in Washington. So this conference has really provided me a big insight and a lot of uh, education and how, you know, the future of medicine, how I'm going to be reimbursed, how to get in contact with uh, my representatives uh, and senators, and really how to be an advocate for us as surgeons and how we can make a difference, not only in uh, our future, but also um, in the direct care of our patients. On Tuesday, April 12th, Lobby Day had arrived. Armed with our packets detailing the issues we would address at our meetings, we boarded buses in our state groups and arrived at the Capitol. 217 meetings between surgeons and congressional offices occurred throughout the day. Issues addressed included implementation details of the recently passed MACRA, or Medicare Access and CHIP Reauthorization Act, the importance of maintaining accurate and transparent data with the Responsible Data Transparency Act, ensuring adequate surgical workforce in underserved areas and adequate trauma funding, and supporting Commission on Cancer Accreditation. Each member of our team shared a personal patient story related to one of the above issues. I focused my efforts on House Resolution 1220 and Senate Bill 624, the Removing Barriers to Colorectal Cancer Screening Act, which would remove coinsurance for screening colonoscopies during which biopsies or other therapeutic procedures are performed, which at present changes the colonoscopy from a screening to a therapeutic procedure which in turn requires the patient to pay a coinsurance for what they thought was a fully covered screening exam. I was amazed at how easy it was to talk about this issue and how I became more passionate about it with each meeting we had. I will definitely follow the progress of this bill on congress.gov in the coming months. This experience has certainly inspired me to continue to be involved with political advocacy when I return home to Arizona both at the local and state level. I will forever be grateful to the American College of Surgeons for my experiences this weekend. At the end of the summit, I spoke with Dr. Hoyt, and when I asked him what advice he would give to trainees who were not able to attend the summit, he said, come next year. So mark your calendars now for the 2017 Leadership and Advocacy Summit, which will be held May 6th through the 9th, at the Renaissance Washington, D.C., 
and keep an eye out for the Resident and Associate Society $500 scholarships to help subsidize the cost for trainees. I will leave you with this Thomas Jefferson quote. We in America do not have government by the majority. We have government by the majority who participate. I would like to thank my on-site co-correspondent, Dr. Brett Tracy, PGY3 General Surgery at Memorial Health University Medical Center in Savannah, Georgia. This is Erin Garvey signing off from Washington, D.C.